Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you again today and I'm really hoping that these conversations and and the sorts of things that we're sharing here on the podcast can be really helpful and supportive for you. Now, obviously, as a podcast listener, audio is important to you and I just wanted to remind you that my audio course, 10 Pieces of Advice You'd Like to Have as a Child, is available on Listenable. Now, not only my course, but there are hundreds of courses on there, so please go and check that out. It's educationonfire.com forward slash listenable. Now today I'm delighted to be chatting to Deborah Godfrey and she's a certified parent educator and brings over 30 years of experience to the parenting education fields. Through her business Positive Parenting she teaches the redirecting children's behaviour parenting skills class and the redirecting for a cooperative classroom training in schools and community centres around the world. Now, Deborah is recognised for her humour and compassion while teaching behaviour and discipline tools that, that work at home and in the classroom. Now, this is obviously an important factor for so many people who work with children. So I really hope this gives you a little bit of an insight and some, some tools and understanding and some skills that will benefit you and your teaching situation. But just before my conversation with Deborah, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. The National Association for Primary Education is a non-political UK charity. As Vice Chair, I'm delighted to be hosting six online CPD events to enable you to be supported as educators, no matter where you are in the world. To find out more information, go to nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. That's nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. Hi Debbie, thank you so much for joining me here on the Education on Fire podcast. We know that positiveness is important whether you're a parent, whether you're in the classroom and I think one of the things we know as educators is that we very often have that parental hat on as well. Um, so thank you so much for being here and um, yeah, tell us first of all, where where are you in the world? Hi, yes, thank you Mark for having me here. I am in Louisville, Kentucky <laughs> in the USA. So it's always great to speak to people from around the world. And I think the thing that I love is the fact that no matter what the country, no matter what the state, no matter what the situation, so much of what we talk about is universal because it's human and it's about connections and it's about that connectivity. So um, it's always great to get that perspective, even though it's in a, let me say, a different country, but to find those sort of universal themes as we go through. So give us a little bit of your sort of your journey into how you've got to where you are now giving all the, the advice and the support that you are? Yes, I was, I had three young children. They were six, two, and one, and I was home with them, and I was miserable yelling at them all the time, <laughs> as some of us are. And the short story is I took a parenting class, and it just changed my life. I went from yelling at them and being miserable all the time to actually enjoying parenting and having fun most of the time. And after about a year of using the things that I had learned, I thought, oh, it would be really fun to teach this. And I got trained and certified and started my business, Positive Parenting, in 1994. And part of that journey was getting additional trainings over time. And a couple of years after that, I got a training for the redirecting for a cooperative classroom, which is the similar teaching, like positive discipline and then positive discipline for the classroom. So 
I started teaching both parents and teachers in schools. And uh, at one point I went to India and worked for a month and where what I was doing was positive discipline in the classroom. So that's the most concentrated work that I have done with teachers. Mostly uh, it is with parents and often teachers that are parents taking my classes. <laughs> Absolutely. It just reminds me of um, when everything was locked down and so many teachers saying, oh, it's, it's so hard being a parent and a teacher. And as a teacher, I think I should be able to teach my kids at home. But that, that's very different. And it's interesting when you've got those different hats on because you've got those different relationships at, at the core of who you are. Absolutely. And it was so hard for the well teachers and everybody to be home. Usually we have that separation of our work and taking care of our kids. And it was just a huge shift for parents to make to sit there and be usually side by side or back to back with their Zoom cameras, the children on on their classroom, and then parents on work and parents going out and sitting in their cars to take meetings. And it was just, it was, even though it was tough, it was beautiful to watch parents adapt in the moment to doing what they had to do and teachers adapt in the moment to doing what they had to do. And I think that many, I don't know if I would say most because I have my specific little realm of people that I work with, but I, I think many people adapted quite well. I think many people getting stuck <laughs> for lack of a better word, home with their children. Um, the ones that were able to just step up to the plate and use it as a time to connect and be reasonable with themselves, not put so much stress. I mean, that was the thing for me. People are saying, how do you balance work and family? I'm like, I've never done this in a pandemic either. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got my usual tools, but this is, you know, in many ways, all bets were off. And what I like, I like what you said at the beginning about parents all over the world, because in my travels, and I have traveled, I, I, like I said, I've worked in India and China, um, for Western parents, I wasn't uh, in, 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 in China, I was working for Western parents in India, I was working with Indian teachers, but it was, um, we all have that common thread of loving children and wanting what's best for children and wanting to do everything that we can to bring out their creativity and their spirit and also make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. <laughs> I think that's where the, the discipline part of positive parenting comes in. Absolutely. I think what you mentioned there is really key for us all to take on board in a pandemic or not. It's just that sense of we just need to do what's best today. And I think the one thing that when you're in a crisis is that you look at the immediateness of of what's needed you look at how can I help this person now all bets are off you let go of all the kind of the preconceived ideas of how it should be and you make the best of it and that's kind of well living in the moment isn't it it's doing what you need to do on the here and now and that's a that's a great lesson for us all no matter the, what, what the situation is yeah yes I, I believe so absolutely so take me into the the different world it sounds a bit chalk and cheese I was a parent who was screaming at their kids as you said at the beginning to I now understand what I'm trying to do what is that kind of almost sort of a major mind shift or, or tools or, or what is it that kind of made that difference and how did it happen in, in such a positive way well it was for me it was around spanking I mean I think that and that re represents to me any form of what we call coercive discipline which is what most of the research looks at in terms of 
long-term results. And, and the research is, has become very clear over the years that coercive forms of discipline are associated with many negative outcomes. And so that's why I think it's 67 now countries have outlawed spanking, like you can't spank your kids. And I'm talking about parents, obviously. Um, and there's, I think there's an associated movement in schools not to allow, you know, a similar kind of discipline, corporal punishment of students, but it's still allowed many places in the United States. And so, the, but, the, but the research says that that's not okay. So I was in a situation and when, when I took my first parenting class, I was in a battered women's shelter. So I had three kids, I had an abusive partner, spouse, and I ended up in a battered women's shelter. And that's where I had my very first parenting class. And they said, you can't spank your kids. And I was like, well, what am I going to do then if they do something? How am I supposed to, what am I, how am I supposed to discipline them? And one of the counselors said, well, if, you know, just come and get me and we'll figure it out. And the first day, I, like five or 10 times, I'm like, Abby, he's doing this and this and this. I know I need to spank him now. And we would talk through the situation and we talked about what we had done in the little parenting classes I was taking there. And we would come up with something better, like something that corrected his or her, I have two girls and a boy, misbehavior, and at the same time taught them something smart. You know what I mean? Like ta taught them to do the right thing for the right reason, redirected their behavior. It did something beneficial and I didn't have to yell or spank them. And as the, over the days, I became less and less needed. So by like a week later, I wasn't calling Abby anymore. And eventually I thought to myself, oh my gosh, no matter what situation comes up, no matter what misbehavior my children are doing, I can come up with a more positive way to handle this rather than spanking or yelling at them. And it just, it just created this huge shift for me and opened all these doors that if somebody teaches me what to do in all these situations where my kids are acting up, I can do this. And so that's when I really began seeking and searching for parenting classes and parenting stuff. And when I got out of the shelter, I organized my neighbors into a parenting breakfast club and we'd have, we'd alternate houses and whoever's house it was at would provide the donuts and coffee. And we each chipped in five bucks. And I had Abby from the shelter come to my house and teach us a little parenting lesson. And that's like where this started before I got trained and had actual curriculums and things like that. I, I was organizing already and knew that I loved just being immersed with ideas and what to do with kids. You know, if that kid's sitting in there tapping the pencil, staring at you in the classroom, you know, the kids throwing the spit wads, all of those things, like instead of just sending them out of the room, there's things that we can do and ways that we can assess that behavior. And I think the bottom line of this is to look at those kids that are misbehaving and instead of jumping the gun, meaning reacting to it, to take a deep breath and go, huh, this kid's misbehaving. How am I feeling right now? And what's the reason? And I'm realizing that this child's discouraged from getting their needs met, to feel powerful, to feel valuable, to feel significant. And if I can figure out what that misbehavior is saying by, and I do that by assessing my own feelings in the moment, there's a whole systematic approach. This is an Adlerian approach that I teach. And so we can figure out why they're discouraged. Then we can help them figure out a way to do a behavior that's more appropriate. 
than whatever they're, they're doing that's inappropriate right now. And I think that's what really shifted me is it just opened up a whole new world of possibilities because most of us are only taking into our parenting or our teaching what we learned growing up. Well, that's, that really is true, isn't it? You only know what you know. And so in, until, until you hear these conversations, until you have those experiences, or until you become a parent or a teacher, um, like you say, you, that your, your skills are limited to that, to that knowledge. Um, I, love the, I love the taking stock of where you are as a teacher or parent in the moment. I think that's fantastic. And I think understanding that any behavior, any kind of situation is arising from a story and that's where we talk a lot on the show about personalized learning but it's really about a human connection it's about understanding what we're going through collectively in the community may well be me and a student it may well be within the family whatever that is but that kind of gives you that that understanding of what it is that we can do together to kind of change that dynamic and I think that's uh, that's a really important factor I'm, I'm also interested in in knowing just one or two techniques of what you can do in that moment when something has happened and you don't decide to send them out or, or do whatever what are some of the things you can do to kind of sort of bookend the fact that I'm I'm explaining to you that this is inappropriate and you can't do it but I'm also not gonna I'm gonna give you the skills you need or a situation that's going to be a positive one rather than a negative one. Well, and yeah. And I think teachers are pretty good at this. Most of the time when there's a child dominating the classroom in many ways, knowing that when that, the, there's a mistaken goal involved and when it's power, when that child's seeking the goal of power or even significance, it's finding those children's job, a job to do. And so putting them in charge of something having them be, you know, erase the board, having them take the notes to the office, all of any child who's, you feel like is once is trying to take over your job because they're, they're dominating things. You want to give them a job to do and, and to see it beneficially like that, that, oh, this child has a lot to contribute instead of they're, you know, they're interrupting and they're interfering with everybody else's learning. Yes, they are. And if you can give them a positive way to interfere with everybody else's learning, <laughs> well, I'll be much happier. So let's get this kid busy and give him or her something to do. I had another a teacher one time that was taking my classes and she had a, a student that was um, ADHD. And this child, he would squeeze oranges on other kids' hair, you know, pour the paint on them. He's just like run, bouncing around in the classroom. And, and so they had a chat and, and, you know, it's like, what do you need? Do you, do you feel things happening in your body? So helping him learn like what's happening in your body before one of these things happens. Cause he, he really wasn't trying to do it meanly. He just would get out of control in the moment. And so they came up with this solution that when he was starting to come unglued for lack of a better word, that he would, that right outside the classroom, there was a little courtyard and it had benches along there. And so he, he decided, they decided together that he would go out and he would like run around on these benches, basically had a little lap that he did. So he would go out and he'd jump on a bench and he'd run across it and then he'd jump down and then he'd jump to the next bench and he'd do this circle. And so they had a signal word, they had a thing. And so in the classroom, if she noticed he was starting to get to that point, or if he noticed he was starting to get to that point, they had a signal word and he would be allowed to go right outside the classroom and do this thing. And she would just sit there and watch him sometimes. And he would be doing these laps and he's just like serious, like lapping and he's moderating himself and he's 
getting himself back under control and he's breathing and he's act, you know, he's getting it out of his body. And five or 10 minutes later, whatever it took, he would come back and he'd say, okay, I'm okay now. And he'd come back in the classroom. And it was just amazing what a difference it made to just think outside that little box and just give that little extra bit of, well, what if we just pushed these boundaries a little bit, but allowed room for this child to do something that could help him succeed and help him do have what he needs in order to be able to stay in this classroom through a whole day without dumping something on somebody else's head. I love that. And and what it does is that it, you know, instead of it disrupting an entire lesson or an entire amount of time between break and lunch or whatever that, that session might be, it's actually just giving him time out for that five or 10 minutes, giving him what he needs in that truly sort of personalized learning sense and allowed him, like you say, to come back. But the bigger learning from that, from his point of view, like I say, to be able to self-regulate, to understand, um, and to understand that everybody's different. You know, it's it, it just amazes me that very often if someone couldn't see very well, we'd get them glasses. If they need to hear better, we bring them to the begin the front of the class. If they need to go and run around, you can't do that normally because it's not part of the system. And as soon as you realize that it should all be part of the system, you know, that the learning comes from having the environment that we need to give every child what they need to learn. And um, and I think what I liked about what you said there is the fact that even within the constraints of the system, and we, we know what those are there's enough scope if you have those conversations and like you said it's great between a teacher and a pupil it can be between teachers it can be with your senior leadership and just say look this is some ideas I have for all of these groups of people whatever their needs are and just like saying if you've got that in advance because you understand that's where you're starting from in the classroom then it has to be a win-win for absolutely everyone involved right right yeah and I I mean the one thing that whenever I have these conversations that I always think about is the fact that a teacher has most likely 30 or 35 students in a classroom and everything that I teach and most things that teachers learn are contingent on having a conversation with one child, like a relationship, a communication, a connection. You have to talk to one child. And I always think about how challenging and overwhelming that is in a classroom when there's 30 kids there, you have one that needs, and yet you have all these others that are behaving. And it feels like I, I, but I'm not, I'm taking away from all those other kids when I'm having to constantly address this one. So there are also tools that you can use group wise, which I think is helpful because you can't, if you had to take that much time every day. And I think as the years go by, more more and more, a, per, a higher percentage of children in each classroom needs more and more. It used to be 80% of kids fit in the peg, right? They could manage the classroom environment and you only had 20% that were in, interfering. And now it's close to 50, I think. Close to 50% of kids have some real challenges. And so you've got this classroom full of kids that need, need, need. And so one of my favorites is when you take a misbehavior that a child is doing and incorporate it into what's going on. For example, the tapping the pencils. You see a child tapping the pencil and you know that one is trying to get his whole attention with tapping the pencil. And when you notice that to just make a game of it, hey, it's tapping your pencils time, guys. Do, 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 do. And you start tapping yours and everybody go and make a song and, you know, just play along with it. And what that does is it takes all the wind out of that child's sails of what they're doing. They're they're doing that to try to get 
your complete focus, but now you've got the whole classroom in focus. And so it, it takes away the win he was getting for doing that. And then he's going to have to come up with a better strategy. And that's the time for the teacher to give that child a job, give him something to do, you know, so that he doesn't replace it with another misbehavior. And, and how do you think teachers um, can go about getting this understanding? I mean, of course, <laughs> having sessions with you and, and listening to the podcast and hearing these conversations. But um, do you think it is experience? Do you think it is about specific tools? Do you, is it a kind of a they need more mentorship as they come into the profession from older people? Have you got any sort of ideas around that? Yeah, I think it is definitely training there that in teacher in school in service teacher training to have that focused around discipline and behavior in the classroom. And my favorite resource for that is positive discipline in the classroom. Jane Nelson, who made most of those books and programs with other people, of course, but she is was an educator in the classroom for many, many, many years. And and so I feel like her material is the best of the best. So any kind of positive discipline trainings in the classroom that, that teachers can get at the school level. And one of the favorite things I love when I teach uh, in-service training, I have a workshop called Keeping Yourself Encouraged and Spreading It Around. <laughs> and I just, I, I mean, it's for parents, for parenting, it's for everybody. And it's about encouragement and praise and how to really lift children up. But I find when I teach that for a teaching staff, one of the things that happens is we practice the tools that I teach. All, everything I teach is experiential. So we practice everything in groups, in small groups, in whatever. And we're, we're actually doing the things. I'm not lecturing. And so one of the exercises is to encourage each other. And we, I have different formats for that, but where we're going around and everybody's giving each other encouragement. What I love about you is, you know, what I appreciate about you is I love the way, you know, I just giving each other this encouragement and, and to see this teaching staff work who works together every single day and they never get an opportunity to stop and acknowledge each other. And to have them do that and be in this environment, and I'll have to tell you, it gets very emotional and it's beautiful. And all of them are just like, I've never heard these things before from, you know, my, my cohorts here. And if every teaching staff could have a moment daily, weekly, even monthly, yearly, just a moment <laughs> to, you know, to just acknowledge each other and to support each other, I think that would transform a school more than anything else. If we feel uplifted, we uplift others so much better. And it, and it does seem amazing that that isn't even on the top of the agenda of any school, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, like you said, even just for a minute every day or, you know, the beginning of every staff meeting of whatever description that might look like. And, and just the way that one that changes, like you say, the experience for the teachers, which has to change the experience for the pupils as well. And it just changes the overall environment. And um, and I think that's where senior leadership people have such an important um, role in these things. It's not always about what you say. It's about what you do and what you you allow it to be implemented to help those things and like you say it can be such a small thing it doesn't have to be we're going to dedicate an entire week to something it's about this moment but lots of little moments that build up to the, the bigger picture I think yeah so can we 
wind it into your experience um, from when you were in school? Was there is there a teacher or a learning experience which had a, a positive impact on you? And it might be that it was negative, but became a positive from from from, from, from that experience as well. Yeah, I mean, I have so many that I, I mean, teach, teachers just were, I mean, I can go back every year and have moments. I mean, I remember my fifth grade teacher invited me and my friend who were getting in trouble all the time in the class to her home. This is way back when, obviously, in the 70s, back to, into her home for lunch one day. And I still remember like the little cheese square she served us. And, but it, you know, it turned me from a misbehaving kid in their classroom to just adoring her and my friend and I stopped getting in trouble and getting to the office every day. And it was just because she took that time with us. You know, what a, what a, um, cause I don't know that you could do that nowadays. You can't really bring your kids home, <laughs> your students, you can't really take them to your house. Um, and I don't know if you want to either, but you know, back then that really made a difference. And I had a ninth grade math teacher. I was always really good in math, but I had a ninth grade math teacher that I just adored. And she just, she made me feel so smart and I loved math and I, and I, and I just, it really helped me excel. So there's just, I mean, teachers don't realize how, I mean, maybe, maybe they do, but you, you don't ever know, you don't get to know your, what your effect you have. You always have to be just doing it, knowing that you are changing somebody's life. And I had recently had the opportunity to go to, I had a Latin teacher in high school that I loved and adored. And she just was always, she would pick me up from home and take me to school sometimes because I would skip school and she would like actually come to my house and get me <laughs> <laughs> and stuff. And just recently, this is like 35, 40 years later, uh, a friend of mine and I went and visited her and it was just the best ever. And she just remembered me and all my troubles, but also the love we had for each other. And, um, that was super special. So yeah, I, I adore teachers. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, and of course, you're absolutely right. The safeguarding world is a very different one now in terms of, yeah, of what you can and can't do. But I think the essence is still the same. You know, I've not spoken to anyone on this podcast who said, yeah, this teacher I remember because they just suddenly solved the way I was able to do this maths equation or how I did this particular learning. It's always about how they made me feel. And yes. and, and that's that can be different as well. It might just be a conversation. It might be the care and attention. It might just be a look. You know, it might be I, I've got you. You've got me. We're OK here, you know. But And, and it's always about how you make how you make you feel you know we're human beings and it's that interaction and I think that's what every child is looking for and um and that's the real gift and I think when as an educator you you know that's the case I think it just gives you that opportunity like you say you don't know what that effect is a lot of the time and I think that's just where showing up as yourself you know you hopefully we learn these skills in terms of how we manage a classroom and all of those kind of things but just knowing that just being ourselves authentically you know sharing those stories being who you are talking one human being to another um is going to give you or going to give the results that you couldn't even imagine what they are if you had to write them down in some kind of planning it just is like you say that regular interaction yeah for sure is there a piece of advice that you've been given that you'd like to share and and sometimes um I also think it's interesting that kind of maybe a piece of advice you'd give your younger self looking back and and always kind of caveat this with the fact that when you're younger you don't always want to take that advice but I think sometimes if you haven't heard it then then then, then you don't know but um yeah take us down that little journey for us you know, I think it's something that my dad said to me when I had my first daughter. And um, 
there was a grandmother on the other side involved that there were some challenges and issues with. And my dad said to me, you can't, you can't have too many people love your child. You can't have, there can't, you can't have too many people love your child. There can't be too many people that love your child. So allow everybody to love your child is how I took that. And I just think about that all the time, like that there can never be too many people to love children. And just to know in any environment we are, all of us can love the children that come across our way. And just like what you were just saying, I just I just think about that. If every teacher just gets to love kids the way they love kids, they wouldn't be teaching if they didn't love kids. And so for having to have those moments in the classroom where you can let go of all the bureaucracy and the teach twos and the, you know, all the things that you have to do and just get to be your the the you that decided to go into teaching in the first place because you love children and and to connect yeah that i mean they're just kids cannot have too many people that love them and love on those kids <laughs> yeah I, I i think that's amazing and what just struck me there was you know we, we talked about that ability to have teachers together to to tell other teachers how great they are at various things that they do and I just think when that door's opened what you just expanded on there with that kind of when you feel like you're surrounded by a group of people who've got that sense of vocation which is why everyone's in education like you say it's to it's to really give children everything that they need based on who you are and what you want to shift and what you want to explain I think that's so much more supportive when you realize there's a whole group of you doing that that's your primary reason for being there then we can talk about how we're going to deliver a lesson and 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 all of those things which of course we've got to do as teachers but I think when you feel like everyone's in that same place at the starting point then it's very easy to kind of know if you're heading in the right direction whether that's planning a curriculum or doing a class or putting on a project you kind of know whether that feels right or wrong I think yeah absolutely yes and is there a, a resource you'd like to share with us that's had a really big impact on your life? And you, you've already spoken about the positive parenting one, but this could be um, a book, a podcast, a film, a song, anything which is something which you just sort of remember and think, yeah, that's really something which has supported me. I mean, in general, lots of things, but I, I think specific to teaching, there's a, a book that I read called Discover Your Child's Learning Style. And I read this when my kids were younger and and it was this idea that every kid learns in a different environment and has different needs. And it just, it just opened my eyes because I need it quiet. Like I can't have the radio on or anything when I'm studying or learning or doing anything. And one of my kids always had the music blasting. And I was like, turn that off. How could you study with that on? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I learned through this thing that some kids need the music on. Like that's their learning style. They learn better when that music is going on. And I learned all these things. Some kids need to have people nearby. Some kids need to be alone. Some kids need to have interaction. Some kids don't want to have interaction. Like there's all these different. And then we all, we all know the auditory kinesthetic visual stuff. And so I learned there was an assessment too. So I, I took one for each of my kids and it's like, how do you set up a learning environment with four, four different learning styles, <laughs> counting me? And, but I did it. And I, I think that was hugely awakening for me is to realize we, and I think we talked about this earlier in the podcast, like every child has different needs and we're not necessarily set up for that. And I set it up like that one is in a room 
with the radio blasting, I'm sitting here at the table doing my work next to my son who needs me nearby, but not interacting with him. And the other one's just bouncing off the walls doing her thing. That's how she learns, <laughs> you know, and it's just, and it was just super, super incredible. And so, yeah, I think that either that book or anything related to children's learning styles, I think is really eye-opening when you're working with children to, to just get that practical awareness. They're not all the same. And when this one's not doing it the way I do it, that's not wrong. That's a different way. And I have to educate myself on all those different ways there are so that I can accommodate that for everybody. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's a really interesting concept, isn't it? It's like, I think it would be easier if we all learned this way, because then I've got control of how it's working, which seems like a good idea on the surface. But of course, if you've got, like, say, four different groups, only one of those four groups is going to learn really well in that environment, and everyone else is going to be struggling, which means it's going to be much harder for you to teach, because you've got all these different things going on. And I think one of the things which technology is really enabling us to do now is the fact that like you said, it's that one-on-one conversation. It's that one-to-one learning that's happening. And because technology is allowing us to work, well, remotely for a start, which is amazing, but also different parts of the classroom or different parts of the school, or you learn in this way and you learn in this way, and you're going to be working in a team over here and you can work in a team or in a group over here. You can have lots of these ha- these things happening at the same time but within the framework that you want to use and I think the schools and and the the teachers that are able to kind of start to embrace that while maybe slightly scary to begin with and and you kind of sort of tiptoe into how that works the the people that I've seen doing that and have been supported to do that I think it really is revolutionizing the way that we can see our classroom and our education system without that kind of all-in-one idea if we're going to change the system completely which is a whole different podcast <laughs> it would take a lot right. longer to do but but it's amazing I think how things can change with that kind of perspective yeah for sure well Debbie thank you so much for joining me it's been a real pleasure chatting it's always so insightful I think when we we can talk about the the human connection with these things and also you know really understanding those perspectives in terms of of how that works so so tell us where people can find out more about you and how they can learn some more yeah, I'm at positiveparenting.com and I'm at Positive Parenting Debbie on Instagram. And I do a Positive Parenting Pep Talks podcast, which is just three to five minutes a day. So it's it's not an interview style like this. It's a short, here's a tip for the day. Keep it positive. Happy parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. It's, it's like you say, it's that moment of being able to come together, like you say, all yep. in your ears, you know, in the car on the way to school, uh, <clears throat> the, the five minutes after you've dropped them off, just to kind of reset in, in terms of getting your day going. I think it's such a great idea. So, yeah, Debbie, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And, um, yeah, thanks for sharing such great wisdom. Yeah, and thank you, Mark, for having me here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to carry the conversation on or ask any questions related to the show, please join our Facebook community. If you go to facebook.com and search for Education on Fire, our private community there where we offer more resources, have conversations and chat around some of the things that we discuss here on the podcast and in education in general. Thanks very much and I really hope to see you inside. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.